Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. Very excited for today's show. I'm going to be talking about the Super Bowl, breaking down the top players, position group stats, who I think is going to win. A lot to cover for the last football game of the 2022-2023 season. Then I talk about Patrick Mahomes, what this Super Bowl means to him and the pressure he is facing. And then after that, I'm going to switch to the NBA because Wednesday there were some massive moves. Kevin Durant traded to the Suns to try to shift the balance of power yet again in the NBA. The Lakers getting better. A lot of teams got had improved as well. 28 teams made moves at the trade deadline. And then I'm going to rank my top five teams in the NBA post-deadline. That won't be just record. That's going to be talent, the trades, factoring all that in. Super excited again for today's show, Friday before the Super Bowl. Let's get right into it. Chiefs, Eagles, and I'm going to start first by ranking my top 10 players in the Super Bowl. It can be the best 10 players, the most important players, however you want to slice it up, and I'm going to tell you why, starting at number 10. Number 10, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Why is he at 10? Well, he is the strong safety for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and he tied for the lead, league lead in interceptions at six, only playing 12 regular season games. He was fantastic in the regular season. He added two foot 12 interceptions. He had eight pass breakups, 67 tackles. He's great playing in the true safety role. He can also play nickel coverage as well and make big plays on tight ends or the slot wide receiver. He is a very versatile safety. Very good to me. Very underrated. That was one of their strongest trades this offseason was to go out and acquire C.J. Gardner Johnson. And the reason he's just, he's so good for this team, but the reason he's going to be especially more important for this matchup is I think he's going to have a big day in coverage versus Travis Kelsey. He's going to be lined up on him the most. I'm going to have to look to C.J. Gardner-Johnson to stop Travis Kelsey. Now, we look at other top safeties. Derwin James was able to, you know, hit Travis Kelsey, you know, charger safety, but he wasn't really able to stop Travis Kelsey this year. I'm looking for C.J. Gardner-Johnson to do what Levante David did in the Super Bowl two years ago for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's to stop Travis Kelsey. If they're matched up man-on-man, C.J. Gardner-Johnson has to win those matchups because Patrick Mahomes will be looking his way. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is one of their best defensive players, and he's going to have to do a heck of a job to stop Travis Kelsey if they're going to win this game. That's number 10. Number 9, Darius Slay. The best cornerback of these two teams is big play Slay in man coverage, press coverage. He has the ability uh, with transition speed to look in the backfield as well. He is a special corner. Three interceptions this year, uh, 14 pass breakups. Again, he's flexible as well. He can play outside. He can play inside. 
what I'm looking to see him is if I've got C.J. Gardner-Johnson on Travis Kelsey, uh, if Darius Slay can take that matchup, he can also take the matchup versus Kadarius Toney, the most versatile wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Darius Slay can also blitz uh, as well at times. So he is, you know, a tremendous, tremendous corner. He's going to have to have a big game as well. Can't be getting burned in this game. This is not the time for that. I think Darius Slay, whoever he's going to be on, whether it's MVS, Kadarius Tony, I think he'll have a big game. Number eight, Hassan Reddick. Now, Hassan Reddick really went off uh, in the game against the 49ers, but he's been absolutely amazing this year in the regular season. He had 16 sacks, which was second behind Nick Bosa. And then in the playoffs, he's had three and a half, so a total of 19 and a half sacks, which would be the most in the NFL. Again, he is great at you know, rushing the passer. He can drop into coverage as well. Uh, he can stand up. He can be in different stances. He's got five uh, forced fumbles, 46 pressures. So, again, he's great first-step quickness. The speed that he has as well to hunt down uh, great quarterbacks to me is really his speed is second to Micah Parsons uh, this year. He's just great at getting after the quarterback on a speed rush move. He is, uh, again, in order to win this game, Hassan Reddick's going to have to have a big game. Patrick Mahomes is not 100%. I'm going to put him around 80%, especially with the week off. He'll be doing better. But you're going to have to get Patrick Mahomes on the ground. And who's going to have to do that? It's going to have to be Hassan Reddick, uh, their best edge rusher. He's going to have to have come out, and he'll have to do it. And I, he'll have the... Uh, Favorable matchups against an Andrew Wiley or an Orlando Brown at two tackles, which uh, the best of this offensive line for the Chiefs is the interior, the Creed Humphrey, the um, uh, uh, Joe Thune. So Hassan Reddick gets the better matchup being on the outside. He's going to have to win that matchup to get after Patrick Mahomes. Number seven, Chris Jones. Chris Jones was the, to put it just bluntly, the best defensive tackle in football this year. He was better than Aaron Donald this year, better than anyone else. Yes, the Eagles have Jason Javon Hargrave. He's tremendous. But the Chiefs have Chris Jones. And to me, his best game of the season was the last one he played against Joe Burrow, where he absolutely dominated uh, again, this season, 15 and a half sacks uh, led all interior rushers uh, in you know pass rush and hurries, constant disruption from the interior spot. But the great thing is, again, he's flexible. So even though he spends majority of that time in the interior of the defensive line on uh, key third downs, they can move him to the outside uh, as well to really pressure the quarterback. Uh, Again, if the Chiefs want to win, Chris Jones is going to have to have the type of game that he had against the uh, Bengals, where he was putting constant pressure on Joe Burrow. He's going to have to get to a more mobile quarterback than Jalen Hurts to win this game. 
Number six, spent a lot of time, you know, these past four. We're all defense. Now let's switch to the offense, starting with number six. And that's A.J. Brown, top wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. What a tremendous move the Eagles made this past offseason. Really, it was during the draft to go get A.J. Brown this year. 88 passes, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, 560 yards after the catch. Second amongst wide receiver. He has positioned himself, I think, from going into this year. He was thought of as outside top 10 wide receiver. This year, he is a top 10 wide receiver. A.J. Brown has been phenomenal. He has boosted Jalen Hurts' play, the Philadelphia passing attack, uh, 23 explosive play receptions, which are 20 or more yards. That ranks fifth in the NFL. I mean, A.J. Brown has been a game, really life changer for this Philadelphia Eagles team all season long. And it's going to have to continue in the biggest moment, which is Sunday Super Bowl. Number five, Lane Johnson. Who's Lane Johnson? Well, he just happens to be the best right tackle in the game. His pass block win rate is only 95%, which is the best among NFL tackles. He has the ability, you know, with the speed, the power to neutralize anybody that comes his way. Uh, in the run game, he's fantastic as a blocker. You know, in the pass game, again, he is tremendous. He is just the premier right tackle. So when I mention somebody like Chris Jones, if they line him up, up on the outside, don't see Chris Jones getting through Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson really changes the perplexion of this offensive line when he's not in. Uh, it's very shaky, but when he's in, he is sturdy this ship, especially on the right side. Uh, dealing with a groin injury, played through it against the Niners, played good. Again, the more rest should be more healthy. I expect another big game from Lane Johnson. Number four, Jason Kelsey. Maybe the less famous Kelsey brother, but one of the most important players on this Eagles team. He is the best center in football. The Eagles, I repeat, have the best right tackle in football, the best center in football in Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey is going to be a first ballot, first time Hall of Famer when he retires. Uh, the best interior mover, probably one of the history of the games. He could probably arguably be one of the best centers in the history of football. Again, pass block win rate of 96%. He's fantastic. Again, he is the top center. Uh, he just he finishes blocks in the run game and the pass game. There's no better better than Jason Kelsey. I will put an asterisk here as well that Creed Humphrey for the Chiefs, their center, he is the second best center in the NFL. Uh, Creed Humphrey could very well take the mantle when Jason Kelsey's done, but it's not done yet. Uh, and I believe Jason Kelsey's going to have a huge game. Uh, doesn't play with as much emotion as Travis Kelsey, uh, but is great in what he does, and I think is going to take this matchup uh, very seriously, especially for the bragging rights. So this is how I put I put Jason Kelsey for. Most people are going to put Travis Kelsey higher than Jason, and that's just what I did. And maybe that's the motivation 
Uh, Jason needs, but I'm putting Travis Kelsey at three. Best tight end in football in the game right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, number one option. Uh, he went for, you know, over 1,300 yards this season. 156 targets this season, which is insane for a tight end. Had 110 receptions, which was behind only Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. And again, the tight end. 10 red zone touchdowns as well, led the NFL. Kelsey has the ability to uh, break through, find the hole in zone coverage, to fight through one-on-one man coverage. Uh, He can really take over a game. Uh, Travis Kelsey, we saw that against the Jaguars in the divisional round. He was great against the Bengals. Like I said, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he's going to have to be matched up on Travis Kelsey. He's going to have to do a good job when he's matched up on him. Uh, that's the most important matchup because Travis Kelsey, again, can take over the game. He's absolutely brilliant uh, as a pass catcher. Can't let Travis Kelsey and Mahomes get going. Now let's go to number two. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was the leader in the MVP race until he suffered an injury. He has over 4,000 total yards this season, 22 touchdown passes, 13 rushing scores. It accounted for 35 total touchdowns for the Eagles. Again, he runs for read option, I think, better than any quarterback in the NFL right now. Registered a 68.3 QBR on pocket throws, which is the third highest, something I didn't think he was going to be able to do coming into this year. That was my biggest question was Jalen Hurts. He silenced the doubters, he was, again, tremendous this year. Only one loss is a starter. Uh, two of their losses came when Jalen Hurts was out. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been fantastic as the quarterback of the Eagles this year. He has changed life for the Eagles, uh, and now they really have a chance uh, to become a dynasty with Jalen Hurts on this team. But the number one spot goes to Patrick Mahomes, who last night just won the MVP, so he is the best player, the most important player, led the league in QBR, passing yards, passing touchdowns. He did it all this year. And what was impressive was last or two weeks ago, and really more like going back to three weeks, finishing both games on a sprained ankle uh, and winning the game. I mean, truly brilliant, great stuff. Patrick Mahomes, uh, best player in the league. He's number one. He deserves it. So those are my top ten players in the NFL. Or, I, my bad, top ten players in this Super Bowl matchup. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Darius Slay, Hassan Reddick, Chris Jones, A.J. Brown, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes. Now that I've broke down the top ten players, uh, so seven of those players were Eagles, three of those were Chiefs. However, now let's look at it by position groups because, you know, the player matchup doesn't do it justice. Let's look at position group. Obviously, if we look at quarterback, I just said, hey, that advantage is right now the Chiefs because, you know, Patrick Mahomes just won MVP. He was great. 
so I'm going to have to give the quarterback advantage to the Chiefs. Running back, didn't mention them for the top 10 positions, but I'm going with the Eagles. Eagles have one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. They're great. Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, great one-two punch as well. And then you add in Jalen Hurts' ability to scramble and run the football. I'm sorry. The running game, I have to give two of the Philadelphia Eagles. Wide receiver, again, the Eagles, as one of their wide receivers was in my top 10. None from the Chiefs were in mine. And I think all three of the Eagles wide receiver are better than any of the Chiefs wide receivers. I do. To me, this is the biggest advantage uh, by far in the Super Bowl is the Eagles wide receiver situation where they have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, both of them recorded over a 1,000 yards uh, and were tremendous. Uh, you know, this is going to be the hardest thing, I think, for the Chiefs, is whose secondary is not good. Repeat, it's not good. Come at me if you want, but their secondary is not good. They allow a lot of touchdowns, a lot of explosive plays, uh, and we're going against two of the best wide receivers in football. This, is to me, is where I get nervous if I was picking the Chiefs, is that advantage right there. Tight end, I'm going to Travis Kelsey. Uh, probably the second greatest tight end to ever play the game. Uh, Got to put Travis Kelsey there as the advantage for the tight end, so I'm giving it to the Chiefs. So right now, we're at two advantages for the Chiefs, two advantages for the Eagles for offense. There's one more offensive line. Who gets that last advantage for offense? I'm going Eagles. Uh, best offensive line in football. Like I said, they had two of my top five players in this matchup. Right tackle, Lane Johnson. Center, Jason Kelsey. Uh, it has to go to there where there's no weakness. All their players are great. All of them have the advantage over the uh, contemporaries of the Chiefs. Those contemporary players, so Eagles have the matchup. Chiefs have some good players. Again, Creed Humphrey, Joe Thune, but Eagles, another advantage here. So 3-2 in offense, Eagles for position group advantage. Defensive line. Shift into the defense. Eagles. Eagles, I'm going, uh, again, this is close, but I'm just going Eagles here. Uh, because of Hassan Reddick and really the depth there, but Brandon Graham, the Fletcher Cock, the Javon Hargrave. Uh, they've got a lot of players. We're on the defensive line of the Chiefs. Yes, Chris Jones is the best defensive line player in this matchup, but outside of him and Frank Clark at times, they don't have the depth like the Eagles have. So I'm giving it to Eagles because they have a star player in Hassan Reddick, but the depth they have, I really like above the above the Chiefs. Now we go to the linebacker, the second unit level where I don't see great play from either one, but if I had to pick a standout, it would have to be Nick Bolton for the Chiefs, who is a great middle linebacker there. Uh, really biting the system is a sure tackling type of linebacker. I think Philly's TJ Edwards is really good. Uh, Kaiser White is good. Uh, but I'm going to have to give the slightest of advantage to the Chiefs in this one. And then secondary. I'm going Eagles. Again, two of my top ten players were Eagles secondary, and that's C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Darius Slay. 
And if I had to put like an 11th on there, 11 or 12, it would have been James Bradbury, who again, the other quarter opposite Darius Slay, who is terrific. Again, they were great this year in, you know, in completions, interceptions, ranked first in both those, you know, in passes allowed over 15 yards, they were ranked third. Uh, nobody has really been open against the Eagles. So to me, this is where the game is going to decide it. And if you're just looking at it based on position groups, it's the Chiefs, you know, lack of wide receiver options that really benefit the Eagles that the Chiefs don't have. Going up against a great Eagles secondary, usually we see a great wide receiver room going up against a great secondary, but we have a depleted wide receiver room with Miko Hardman on injured reserve. Going against a very good Eagles secondary, that's a you know great mismatch against the Eagles. And when you look at defensive line and offensive line, uh, the best offensive line in football is the Eagles. The worst offensive line, or the worst of the two defensive lines, is the Chiefs. So if Jalen Hurts has time to throw the ball to these great wide receivers to run the ball, and the uh, and the Eagles can lock down these Chiefs wide receivers, it could be a long day for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs could easily get blown out of this game. So I'm looking at that position groups-wise. So stats. So stats, you have now Eagles were one of the best rushing teams. They rushed for 147 yards per game. And they so far in the postseason, two games, they've had 208 yards per game, which is insane. That's number one. And then the Chiefs, 116 yards per game in the regular season running, only 93 in the postseason. The Eagles are the far superior rushing team, whereas Kansas City is the far better passing team. As well, their offense was number one this year. Points and yards, they were great. Uh, A.J. Brown's been great. But the Eagles' defense, again, just as a whole, they've allowed the second-fewest yards and the ninth-fewest points. Most sacks in the same single season in NFL history. Uh, while the Chiefs don't rank, again, top 10 for yards or points. So you have that massive, uh, really, uh, draw there for one side. So with all that being said, breaking down the players, the position groups, the stats, I'm going with the Eagles to win this game because they got the better players, they got the advantage of position groups, the Eagles are just the better team when you look at it and square it up. I'm going for the Eagles to win this game. Uh, they are one-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they cover that. I do think it is a close game, uh, but I do think they win by seven. Uh, in this game, they win by a touchdown. Uh, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball. They can't get it, and Eagles kind of just run out that clock on a four- or five-minute drill. Patrick Mahomes don't see that thing again. So I'm going to go Eagles uh, 31, Chiefs 24, in which will be a great game. Again, a lot of ways I look at this, I think the Eagles just better. Just better. But for the Chiefs to win this game, they have a shot because they got Patrick Mahomes. They got great players, Travis Kelsey. But in order for them to win this game, uh, it's going to have to be running the football. They're going to have to run the football, run it effectively, and they have not ran it effectively in the postseason. They have called on Patrick Mahomes to do it. But when you look at defense, 
as good as Philadelphia's unit is, uh, Philadelphia doesn't rank in the top half of the league in rushing in uh, in defense in yards allowed per game. They're one of the worst teams in allowing teams to run the football on them in 121.6 yards per game. So the Chiefs are going to have to use Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. They are going to have to run the football, and they're also going to have to use their running backs against the Eagles linebackers in the passing game. So if the Chiefs are to win this game, I'm not looking for Travis Kelsey to have 200 yards because he just isn't. I'm looking for Jarek McKinnon to have maybe close to 100 yards a combined total. And the same for Isaiah Pacheco. They're going to have to get 200-plus for them to win this game. And, again, that's going to have to be the formula for the Chiefs to win. But I don't see it happening. I like the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. Fly, Philly, fly. Now just talking about the NFL. Again, yesterday was the NFL Honors. And there's no surprises at all. I just want to congratulate Patrick Mahomes. Deserved the MVP with Jalen Hurts going down. Mahomes had a fantastic year. Uh, great second MVP for him. Justin Jefferson, one offensive player of the year. Can't be mad, mad about that. Is you know He led skilled position players in yards. He was just fantastic. Nick Bosa, defensive player of the year. Again, he was the most consistent, best defensive player all year long. Sauce Gardner won defensive rookie of the year. It made sense because uh, he was first-team all-pro. He was shut down. Great. And then Garrett Wilson won offensive player of the year. And again, deserving because from start to finish, he was the most consistent weapon on this team uh, for the New York Jets. But back to Mahomes, who won his second MVP, and deservingly so. And one thing I want to talk about now, uh, is it's funny, you know, Brady retires, and on the day Brady retires, everybody calls him a GOAT, and the greatest of all time, best of all time, all that. But now leading up to the Super Bowl, there's a talk that Mahomes is a GOAT. There's players like Brandon Graham calling him the new GOAT. Uh, and again, I feel like this word is overused by people when they talk about labeling so many people as a GOAT, and there just can't be so many GOATs. There's to me, there's one GOAT in the sport, and if you want to talk about position group, that's fine, but you can't say GOAT and new GOAT. You know, it kills the kills the word. It just does. So I'm telling you this right now, and this is just the truth. It's a truth all people right now have to come to accept that Brady is the GOAT. Tom Brady is a GOAT. If I have to tell you every podcast from here till I die, I'll tell you, Brady is the GOAT. Guess what? Peyton Manning could have been the GOAT. Is he the greatest regular season quarterback of all time? Just because he won five MVPs. But guess what? We don't talk about regular season GOATs and postseason GOATs. And, you know, this quarterback was the greatest at the second quarter, at the 10th minute of the game. That's just not how it works. So Peyton Manning had... Chances to beat Tom Brady and to be the GOAT. But guess what? He just never did. Beat him twice in the playoffs. One with Denver to go to the Super Bowl and one with uh, the Colts to go to the Super Bowl. That's about it. I'm sorry. Mahomes, I believe Mahomes could be the GOAT right now. 
But guess what? Brady happened. I'm sorry. You look at the first year Patrick Mahomes won MVP. It was Brady and Kansas City in Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl. Guess what? Brady won that game. He engineered the drive to tie it, to win it in overtime. Brady beat Mahomes. Sorry. In the biggest stage, he beat him. Then you look at two years ago in the Super Bowl. It was Brady versus Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Brady stopped Mahomes yet again and absolutely outplayed him in the Super Bowl. So Mahomes could realistically be going for his fourth ring right now. And Mahomes could have stopped Brady at five rings. Imagine that. Brady's right now at seven. To me, an untouchable number. Mahomes could have stopped Brady at five if he beat him the first time. I think he would have went on to win that Super Bowl against the Rams. Then he wins the next year against the 49ers. That's two. Then he could have won three. He realistically could have three-peated, but he didn't. And then last year, Joe Burrow beat him. So, again, Mahomes can't be the go. Because Brady stopped him. We could be looking about Brady at five, Patrick Mahomes possibly getting his fourth right now, and really being the GOAT. But Brady stopped that man. So I'm sorry to say it, Patrick Mahomes is not the GOAT. Joe Montana is not the GOAT. Peyton Manning is not the GOAT. Tom Brady is the GOAT. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to comprehend because there's a lot. There's a lot of Tom Brady haters out there. But sometimes you have to accept greatness. You can't be insecure about it, Trent Dilfer. And you have to just acknowledge that Brady's a GOAT. Even if it pains you, you got to acknowledge certain facts. Like there's some things you have to acknowledge that the earth spins uh, tilted on its axis. You've got to accept that. If you don't accept that, there's really no hope for you. If you can't accept that Brady's a GOAT, I'm sorry. There's just no hope for you. I'll leave it at that, and I'm sure I'm going to have to remind people weeks from now, months from now, years from now, but the pressure is really on Mahomes because if he loses this Super Bowl, and let's say he doesn't play well, there's going to be a Peyton Manning attachment next to his name that he has not played well in Super Bowls. I feel like Mahomes is great. He didn't deserve that first Super Bowl MVP. It was Damian Williams who took the game over, especially Mahomes threw the fourth quarter interception, didn't play well, or Tyreek Hill on the Jet Chip and Wasp play, uh, whatever that call was that was great. But Mahomes hasn't played well in the biggest of games, which happens in this sport to be the Super Bowl. So to me, pressure the most, Patrick Mahomes. That's it. But I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. And right now, I'm rooting for the Eagles. Pick the Eagles. Sunday night could be singing Fly Philly Fly or Fly Eagles Fly, whatever their fight song is, very happily. Now let's move on to the NBA. Where some more of the biggest blockbuster trade was Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. Massive, massive trade there in what is the Biggest power shift in the NBA. So before this season, you had the Robert Sarver thing, and I said, the sun has set. The suns have set. It's over for the suns. They had their chance. They had a short two-year window title shot, and it's over. Uh, 
And you look at them right now, they're 30 and 27, eight and a half games back out of first. They're in the sixth spot. And without KD, you look, they'll probably stay around in the sixth spot. They're just not that great. They're just not. They're not that great of a team. But here comes Kevin Durant in a massive trade. So the Brooklyn Nets were one point a few weeks ago at the second seed in the NBA for the East is now the fifth seed, and they'll be lucky if they even reach a play-in. Uh, I believe they will stay in the play-in. Uh, but the shift is now comes to Phoenix, and what is CP3, Devin Booker, KD, and DeAndre Aiden, again, massive, massive trade, in which was four first-round picks, all available for them, the pick swaps, and Mikal Bridges, Jay Crowder, and Cam Johnson. The Nets flip Cam Johnson, or my bad, the Nets flip Jay Crowder for five second-round picks for the Bucks. So Brooklyn is right now stockpiled with draft picks from the KD, Jay Crowder, Kyrie Irving trade. They have a very young team now. Cam Thomas looks very promising. Mikal Bridges is a great 3-and-D player. Cam Johnson can shoot as well. I think could be a starter on any NBA team. So I thought the Nets got a good haul for them. However, it's going to take years to really rebuild this thing and see this thing through. Whereas the Suns have the shoulders now of winning this trade. And with KD on the team, if they don't make it to the NBA Finals this year, next year, it's a massive failure. The reward has to be winning a championship. When teams go all in, you have to win a championship. When the Lakers went went all in on AD, you have to win a championship. They got one. You can say they did what they needed to do. When the Milwaukee Bucks got Drew Holiday, they won a championship. There you go. You look at other teams. The Clippers, when they got Kawhi and uh, Paul George, haven't won a championship yet. That thing will probably be a buck. Uh, so you have those type of trades. Miami trade as well. Jimmy Butler, they don't want a championship. There you go. Philadelphia and the multitude of trades they made. James Harden, that might not work out. So the Suns need to win the championship for this to be considered a success. And they really have a three-and-a-half-year window because that's how many years are remaining on KD's contract. It's the remainder of this year. And then three more years, you have to remember he's 34, going on 35, and he'll just be old by this. Chris Paul's already old, so the quicker they win it, the better. But they're going to have to win the title. To me, this instantly makes them Western Conference favorites. They should be in the Western Conference Finals. Now, depending on who they play, who knows what could happen. I think there are a number of teams who could give them a run for their money. Uh, Dallas with Luka and Kyrie. I think the Nuggets are a very solid, put-together team. Uh, and I think Memphis as well, once they get it figured out, again, will be a tough out. And I think even the Warriors, I'm not totally counting them out yet. They could have something to say. So the West is very good. And you look at the balance of power now in the NBA, and it's all in the West. Uh, East, to me, just as Boston and Milwaukee. I like Philly, I do, but they choke in the biggest games. Philly just had uh, the Celtics with no Jalen Brown. And they just can't do it. I don't think. I think it's just a Sixer thing. It don't matter if AI is there or if Joel Embiid. 
this t- or the coach, they just can't win against the top teams in the biggest games. Don't trust Philly. Cleveland, I think, is experienced and maybe one more piece away. Uh, but I really like them and then no one else from there. Where in the West, you've got Denver. You've got the Michael Porter Jr., the Aaron Gordon, the Jamal Murray, the Nikola Jocic, the Suns, again, KD, CP3, Book, Aiden, uh, Grizzlies. Uh, you've got Ja, Brooks, Bain, Triple J, Luka, Kyrie, and Dallas. Clippers, you got Paul George and Kawhi. Lakers, you got AD, LeBron, D'Lo, Warriors, Draymond, Clay, Steph. So, in Portland, you got Dame. So, again, so many players in the Western Conference. That the Western Conference is wide open, but it's also going to be very tough to get to the NBA Finals. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. But KD and the Suns have to win a has to win one. And I'm uh, the only reason I'm skeptical about this is because of the injury history. KD's injured right now. Booker's just come back healthy, but he's been plagued by hamstring issues, and CP3 seems to always get injured in the playoffs, and who knows about the Monty-DeAndre Aiden relationship. So there's question marks there. I'll, and then you also have the bench. So I'm not sold on Phoenix winning the NBA Finals. I think if they don't get to the, any team with a star like KD and just a squad like this, you don't make it to the finals, it's a disappointment. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, again, I think it's a weak move for KD. Uh, didn't like his move to Golden State. Again, KD is Shaq and Chuck would say. He doesn't uh, lead the bus. He's not a bus driver. He's just a follower. He's in the backseat. He likes to go to, go to a place where a championship culture is already established. That's why I left OKC to go to Golden State. Couldn't lead Golden State, or couldn't lead OKC, so he had to go to an established winning team in OKC, or in Golden State, to put them over the top. Then he went to the Nets, and they tried to build around him, him be the leader. You just can't lead, so he goes to a team that's been to the finals before, has a championship culture, DNA, and is going to try to put them over the top like he did with Golden State. So we'll see if it works. Uh, if I had to bet on Phoenix or the field right now, definitely take the field. But again, massive trade. Congratulations to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, really, because now you have CP3 where he won't have to score at all. He can score eight points and he'll have ten assists and he has no pressure on him. It's on D-Book and it's on KD. So we'll see what happens there. I also thought the Los Angeles Lakers got much better. Uh, the biggest one was just getting rid of Russell Westbrook. Uh, again, I talked about this on my podcast Wednesday. Him and Darvin Ham getting into it. I mean, it just didn't look good. Uh, Westbrook, I don't think, is a fun player to coach, to be around. Uh, so just having him gone is, you know, off-field, off-the-court personality and his on-court personality with the high turnovers and watch the ball, it's just... It's good to have him off the team. So coming in is D'Angelo Russell, a better shooting, younger fit for this team. Vanderbilt, a great defensive piece. Malik Beasley, who can catch and shoot, is great. Mo Bamba uh, is well for a center to replace Thomas Bryant because he'll get a new contract. So the great thing about this is that they got these players. Uh, if they work, great. If not, they still have financial 
flexibility this offseason. Uh, you know, D'Lo will be a free agent, so they can move off him. Beasley's got a club option, so they can decline that. Uh, so they can really add another match star if they want, really, for those uh, two contracts. If things don't end up working their way this year, so it'll be interesting for the Los Angeles Lakers. I believe they got better. I believe the Bucks got better with Jay Crowder as well. Uh, again, Suns did great. Uh, Denver made some moves. They got Thomas Bryant, again, from the Lakers, who I thought was really good. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies actually tried to trade all their first-round picks and pick swaps. Two of the Nets for KD, however, they didn't want to part with uh, Bain, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., or Ja, obviously not uh, moving Ja, but I would have honestly thought about the trade, including Jaron Jackson or Desmond Bain, considering those guys ain't going to get back to those shots with KD there. That's what I thought Phoenix had to move, is uh, my brother, huge Suns fan, loves Mikael Bridges, but you got to realize that you can't keep all those players and add KD because ain't going to have enough shots, really, for everybody uh, to be happy, to get their points, to get the chemistry right. So KD being a guy who takes 20 to 30 shots a night, guess what? Those can shots, those Mikel Bridges shots, all those can go to the one Kevin Durant. So it's interesting. A lot of moves happened. A lot of teams. It's going to be great to you know watch, really get immersed in the NBA season. Uh, now with uh, this football season, Super Bowl, all that, coming to a close on Sunday. So now, final thing is I'm going to rank my top five NBA teams post-deadline. Number five, I'm going Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, this one might be a bit shocking because they're one of the teams that didn't make a move, but I like the all-stars they have. I like Jared Allen, and I like uh, Mobley and the backcourt of Darius Garland and uh, Donovan Mitchell and how offensively great they are. They're not the best offensive team. But they are the best defensive team in basketball. Again, this is the first year they've been together. They've met well. They're fourth in the East. And I just trust them more than I do like a team like Philly, who's omitted from this list, or Dallas, or the Clippers, or Memphis, who's losing now. I think Cleveland is a very solid team. Uh, and will go to the uh, semifinals. And this is a reason why I think the number one seed is huge in the East. Because whoever Boston or Milwaukee plays in the first two rounds, it could be a sweep-sweep. But in the second round, if you got to sweep your first opponent, and then you have a team like Cleveland next, uh, that could be rough. That could be rough. You could be in for a long series. Again, I honestly think Boston or Milwaukee would sweep, would sweep Philadelphia in the second round. I really do. Worst case, 4-1. I'm sorry. 4 Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver Nuggets are 38 and 18. They're number one in the West right now. However, this is a team I don't trust. I've never thought Nikola Jokic should be the back-to-back MVP. I've been a hard skeptic of the Denver Nuggets. I just am. Uh, but this year, it seems like you're playing more like a team. They're not hurt. Uh, Thomas Bryant comes over to them very good. Uh, to me, they are in firm command of a one seed, and they'll probably end up with it which is going to be huge in the West. Uh, all teams going to Denver. They're going to have to hang on to it. Uh, not super impressed uh, just by the, what's happened in the past in the postseason by the Nuggets, uh, but I'll put them at four. 
Number three, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, I thought, again, like I said earlier, were just a bad team. We're on the decline. And then look at how the future changes, your outlook changes, when you go out and get a guy like KD uh, to pair with already all-star players on your team, future Hall of Famers. And now this is a team that has really been uh, remade here at the trade deadline. Dario Saric also got traded uh, as well off the Suns and trying to remake their bench a bit. So very interesting uh, move here again. Balance of power has shifted to me. Western Conference Finals, if it's not Nuggets or the Phoenix Suns, both these teams should be very disappointed at themselves uh, for not at least making it that far. Then number two, the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics, I think, are great. Uh, they just made the trade for Mike Muscala, which gives them a younger stretch five, similar to the Al Horford. Uh, again, they've been playing great basketball, but injuries do concern me. Robert Williams tends to get injured. Jalen Brown has the broken face. Uh, Jason Tatum has a minor wrist thing. Uh, Marcus Martin can miss time. So just the health of this team is the one thing that really worries me. Uh, but I do think they got a great squad again. They're the number one team in the NBA right now in terms of win loss. But I'll put it number one at uh, the Bucks just because of the addition they just got, which was Jay Crowder. Now, they've been playing great. Giannis has been fantastic. Uh, Drew Holiday's been great. Uh, Bobby Portis has really ascended in a bigger role. Brooks Lopez, again, great two big men that they have, Giannis and Brooks Lopez. Albite not even having Joe Ingles, a player they thought could do good for them. Coming off the bench, hasn't been involved. Chris Middleton is still uh, not fully healthy. But expect this team healthy. The addition of Jay Crowder to fill that P.J. T- Tucker sort of role. Uh, you know, have a longer wing off the bench for the Bobby Portis and such. Chris Middleton, I think, will help this team. I got the Bucks at number one uh, in the NBA. So those are my top five teams post-deadline. Cleveland Cavs, Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns, Boston Celtics, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, this has been Unbothered. Hope you all have a great weekend. Great Super Bowl. I'm excited for it. Again, I got the Phillies. Who do you got? Can't wait to talk to you all next week and recap the biggest game of the year. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody.